So examining our past can be, if we're being honest, one of the scariest things we can ever do in the recovery journey. But why should we do this? Why is it so important to examine our past, to examine those past hurts that can ultimately lead to healing and freedom in our life? Today, we're going to talk about that. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery Official, a podcast that shares life change stories, courage, hope, and leadership wisdom, all centered around the Beatitudes and the Celebrate Recovery principles where Jesus helps us to face those hurts, hangups, and habits, and the broken relationships so we can ultimately walk in healing and freedom as He intended for us in our life. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the Global Field Director with Celebrate Recovery and so, so glad to be back with you today. Thank you for your feedback, even getting some recovery topics that we can cover. And uh, thank you, as always, for sharing this podcast. Uh, Some of my favorite stories is hearing people going to a Celebrate Recovery because they stumbled onto the podcast, and it's fun uh, God moments there. Uh, But excited about our guest uh, here today. Um, You know them well, and and, uh, they're such an important part of what we do here at Celebrate Recovery. Uh, Johnny and Jenny Baker, they're the co-executive global directors of Celebrate Recovery, and they've agreed to come come on and share some of their wisdom. Thanks for being here, guys. We're so glad to be with you. Thanks, Rodney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves as you do in, in recovery, and, and then we'll jump into a great combo. Great. Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Johnny. I'm a grateful believer. I struggle with alcoholism and codependency. Johnny. Johnny. Hey. Hi, and my name is Jenny. I'm a grateful believer, and I struggle with codependency, and I'm an adult child of family dysfunction. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Hey. So, yeah, hey. we were kind of bantering a little bit, you know, what do we, what do we want to, what's on our heart uh, these days to talk about? And- and we may even do a series on this because there's a lot we can unpack on this. But there's a there's a verse in principle for step four that we talk about a lot. It, the, the beatitude that goes with this is happy or blessed are those that the pure in heart. That's in Matthew 5, 8. But I love the verse in Lamentations 340. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Um that, that really speaks to what we're talking about. The kind of the the goal in all of this is to return to the Lord. But love to kind of unpack that. Um, we can jump into a conversation, and um, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about than we have time for. But why is that important to examine our past in this recovery process? Yeah, I'll I'll tell you. So much of this changed for me when Jenny went through her first step study. So you know, Rodney, that I was in recovery for a while before Jenny was. As the alcoholic in our family, it was important for me to get sober and to get recovery first. We had three young kids, or only one at the time, but as more and more came along, and and so Jenny wasn't able to be as active in recovery as she wanted to be. But I I needed to stay in in active recovery, and then eventually. Um, she was able to go through a step study on her own. And uh, she was getting ready to share her testimony with our group here at Lake Forest. And she wanted to read me her testimony first before she did and kind of practice through it a few times. And she got to the point in her testimony and she said, my favorite part of the step study was when we did principle four. And (laughs) I laughed because I thought she was telling a joke. And then she gave me the look that I'm accustomed to, which is the I'm not joking look. And I stopped and I listened to the rest of her testimony. But she said that 
there were some things that she was able to grieve during that process that she'd never grieved before. And it was in that moment that my whole concept of this principle and this step changed. I had always talked about it and taught about it like something to be endured, something that was really hard. Instead of talking about it as something where a lot of freedom is found. And it was from that conversation that my mind changed about the fourth step. And I was able to see some different things about the power of revisiting our past and why it's so important to do it. Because I think like everybody else, I kind of want to get it over with and move on to the next stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't typically hear my favorite step or principle was number four. <laughs> no. Uh, it, and in fact, that that can be where people might turn and run. Right. And it's not, not everybody does that, but we can see, you know, it makes sense that that's scary. But Jenny, why is that? Why is that your favorite? What, what is it about that? Um, I, I had a lot of fear going into it, but once I was done with it, it ended up being my favorite. I think I learned so much about myself. Hmm. Um, I had a lot of, I put in my testimony that I had a lot of aha moments. Um, I knew I had a lot of hurt going in, but I didn't know how my hurt was still affecting my present choices in my adult life and how much of what I was doing, what I believed about myself and the choices that I was making was directly tied to the hurts of my past. And, um, and so it was during that process of, of, of doing that four step that I was able to make so many of those connections. And actually, let me rephrase that. It was during that time that the Holy spirit revealed to me Hmm. those connections. Um, because I think, the four-step process without the Holy Spirit involved is not going to be as effective. I think that's where a lot of those revelations come from is the Holy Spirit revealing them to you. And so um, that's that was why it's one of my favorite steps. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's so important. You made a great point. And Johnny, I saw your, your head nodding. It's so true that it is scary going into it, but knowing that, that God, that the Father, that the Holy Spirit is with us in that does create a place of safety, doesn't it? To be able to face them, I like to call it the scary parts of my heart. You know, those parts that is like, ugh, I hate, I hate that that happened. But yeah, the Holy Spirit's involved in that. So one of those things, guys, I'd love to, to, um, and you guys jump in if there's other things, other angles you want to go. I'm just kind of, kind of following some thoughts that are coming to mind. But, but one of those things that I've heard people talk about is, shouldn't I just let the past be the past, right? Aren't we supposed to just move forward and not dwell on the past? What makes, how does that differ from what we're doing in Celebrate Recovery as we examine our past? We're, are we dwelling on it? What, what, what does that mean by that? Or can you just kind of expand on that? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, those things happen in the past. I can't change them. I can't I can't do anything about it. I should just accept it and, and move on. But what we have found is that if we leave them unexamined, those events in our past continue to hurt us today. Hmm. And so it's unpacking those moments in the past where we're able to do something about them, right? Because remember, the fourth step isn't just make a moral list and then leave it there. We're going to hmm. build on it. When we get to step five and six, we're going to we're going to tell somebody else about it. And we're going to start to make our amends where, as we go on and all of those things. That it isn't just to be a list that we look at and go, aha, here's the things that were done to me and the things that I've done. Hmm. But they're supposed to spur us on to some action. And so we can't we can't do those things if we don't examine. And and I don't know, Rodney, if you're like me, but there are times where I go, why do I still 
act this way. Hmm. And when I can go back to a fourth step and say, oh yeah, there's some reasons and it's not blaming. So often I talk to people who don't want to write about things because they don't want to blame somebody. We're not looking to blame anybody. We're looking to explain our behavior and explain explain why we act the way that we act or do the things that we do or feel the way that we feel. And we can't do that if we don't examine it. We we often talk about, you know, you can't heal the wound if you say it's not there. When we're talking about coming out of denial from our hurts, hangups, and habits, you know, you have to admit there was a day I had to finally admit I was somebody who was an alcoholic. There was a day I had to admit that I'm somebody who struggled with codependency. And in the same way to find healing from those past things, things I've done, things done to me, I have to admit they happened. And then I can find forgive, find healing or forgiveness if I need forgiveness or or offer forgiveness if I need to do that, or simply know that it's a true story and then be able to do something about it. But if I don't talk about it now, if I don't examine it, I'm going to keep running into it and going, why do I keep feeling that way? Why do I keep responding that way mm. if I don't see some of those core issues? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's so interesting that you that you started with this question, Rodney, because I spoke to somebody recently um, about that. We were talking about fourth step, and they said to me, I don't understand. Why do I need to go back and look at my past, the hurt and the pain in my in my past? Because I've spent my entire life repressing that, pushing it down, not looking at it, denying it. And what good is it going to do me to go back and look at that? Um, and I and my heart broke a little bit because they were so serious. There was so much sincerity and genuineness in that question. And it was like, oh, you don't know know the amount of healing and freedom waiting for you on the other side of of denying those things. And it's so interesting. We've talked a lot about this, Johnny and I have recently. People come to recovery so much of the time because they have a behavior that they want to stop. And so they're very focused on this behavior and they want to stop this behavior. Um, And what we're learning is so much of the behavior has a root in hurt and pain from the past. And so you may be able to stop this behavior without addressing your past, but you're not going to heal the wound that caused that behavior in the first place. So there's a likelihood that either you'll go back to that same behavior or you'll just start another behavior in its place instead. Um, And so there is so much benefit of going back and looking at your past, the hurt and pain in your past, because that's going to get to the root cause of the behaviors that are hurting you in your present life. Um, I know that when I've been doing some study on codependency, specifically, specifically last year, I came across a statement that resonates so true in my own life, in my struggle with codependency, and it's that um, childhood hurt and pain are most often the root cause hmm. of codependency. And and what that statement rings true for me in my life is that in um, when I was young, I developed um, patterns of behavior that I needed mm. in my early childhood years to survive, you know, my home and the environment and just the circumstances that I was facing. And I needed those behaviors mm. then. But if I don't heal from what I went through, then I carry those behaviors with me into my adult life and they become patterns of behavior that I no longer need to Mm. be safe or to feel safe, but they're still there. That's good. Yeah. I think that's so good because, and it just makes me think (laughs) just the way we introduce celebrate recovery, we start with hurt 
hurts, hangups, mm-hmm. and habits. We don't say to healing from habits, hangups, and hurts. <laughs> because I think you're right. Uh, we come in and we do it backwards sometimes. We try to modify the behavior, which won't be sustainable if we don't understand what was driving that. And, that, and Johnny, you were kind of alluding to that, just that uh, I love that explain it. And I've said that to, if we can name it, we can explain it. And if we can explain it, we can understand it. Or, or another way of saying that, that there's healing in the revealing, right? To be honest yeah. with that. Yeah. So addressing that, that hurt. So, so what do you guys say to someone that is in that space of that blaming? Um, and Johnny, you kind of alluded to this. We're not, we're not trying to blame anybody, but how do you hold that space as you're listening? As someone's listening, like, I feel like I'm blaming my parents. I feel like I'm blaming my spouse or my uncle or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, how do you speak into that to, to keep them from thinking they're in that space of blaming? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that I do often is um, I've got three kids, right? And I realize that there are things that I have done in their upbringing that would cause them pain. And I've admitted that to to them in in individual ways and in you know in my own counseling sessions and in conversations. I've I, I know that there are things that I did um, on purpose that I didn't mean to hurt them, but they were they were uh, intended. You know, I I did something actively, and there's things I did that on that I wasn't trying to hurt them, but I know hurt them. And I could I could sit down each each of my kids and tell you something that. I did, they would end up on their four-step. Mm-hmm. And when I can think about it that way, um, I wouldn't want them to blame me, but I would want them to find the healing that was available by explaining it. And so it's kind of good for me because then I can say, okay, well, I know my intentions. I know when I did it, when I was trying to get my kid to do something I wanted them to do and I manipulated them, mm-hmm. right? Or I know when I was just tired and I didn't have the bandwidth to deal with something. Both of those things might've caused pain. And if that was a a lesson that they heard over and over again, that would explain some things that they thought about themselves. Mm. And so in the same way, I think sometimes it isn't that my goal isn't to, uh, when you're going through your four step, when I'm going through mine, is to find the culprit Mm. and to be able to say it's this thing. Now, there are people who have been abused. There are people who have been sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally abused. There are people who have been mistreated in in those major, major ways. And it's really important for people who have that experience to be able to write that down and then very clearly put, not guilty, not my fault. I've got nothing to do with this. I'm talking about the day-to-day ways that we hurt each other, not not in those abusive ways. And so what I would do, I just had this conversation with somebody last weekend that they said, man, I, I started to write people down and then I felt like I was blaming them. And I said, well, first of all, they're never going to see it. So write it down and allow the Holy Spirit to meet you in that place and don't worry about that. But to to take it from this idea of I have to blame a person or a situation to I want to explain why I act the way that I act. I want to explain why or understand myself well. And, and you, you know, Ronnie, you talk about the the steps and principles that we start with hurt. But if you look at the steps, we talk about we put our wrongs down, we put our faults down, but mm. there's no place where we talk about our wounds mm. and the things done to us outlined in the steps of principles. And actually it, it led to Jenny and I having a very different first, fourth step experience. Mm-hmm. So I came in at, as somebody who was looking for sobriety from alcoholism. So my first four step, it was all people I had hurt. 
Mm. I, I wrote very few ways that I've been hurt by anybody. And, and I got to admit, it took me a number of fourth steps before I started even being able to list the way that I had been hurt in the past, recently, today, yesterday. I just, I was so focused on my character defect and my active alcoholism and, and those things is hurting so many people that I came in mm. heavy on the wound on the on the wrongs and the faults mm. and and Jenny your your experience was quite different when you mm-hmm. did your first four step mm-hmm. yeah I came in um, more focused on how I was hurt um, and I think when I got into recovery I was um, in more of a victim mentality and so I, I it was very easy for me to list out all of the things going back as far as I could in my childhood, because my hurt, I knew my hurt stemmed from my childhood because um, my codependent, my codependency, my biggest codependency struggle was with my mom. So, and then that relationship starts, you know, at birth. So it was very easy for me to trace it back um, and go, I need to go back as far as I can, because I knew I had some pretty obvious hurt starting when I was young. Um, But what was beautiful about the fourth step is that even though I had a lot of awareness of how I was hurt, I had zero awareness of how that was affecting my current behavior. And the fourth step process, I just, I love it where it starts with who or what hurt you, what happened, how did I feel about it? What did I then believe about myself? What was the damage that was done? Um, what did I believe about myself? What did I believe about the world? And then what was my part? Meaning um, what behaviors or habits did I develop out of that and so it was those last two columns that were just so eye-opening. Yeah, and I went right to the last column. Here's all the stuff I did wrong, right? I didn't the first four columns. I'll get to that another time. But here's how I hurt Jenny. Here's how I hurt my friends. Here's how I hurt my parents. Here's how I hurt whatever. And it was all about my behavior. And what we've learned in in recent times is that we it, it benefits both of us to go back and, and think about those other parts that we may not have put in our, our original four steps. And um and again, you know, it could be a coach who said something unkind and now you've always thought of yourself in a certain way. Well, for a lot of guys, we don't want to think, we don't want to think that that's had an impact on our lives our whole life, right? That one coach in Little League said something and and now the rest of the time we've been trying to prove something to that coach who wouldn't pick us out of a crowd. But that could be pain. That could be pain that happens that causes you to to struggle in some way. And so writing it, and, and what I love about this verse like that you read is let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord, mm. right? There's that feeling of like, we're going to, we're going to not just do this, but we're going to bring these to God. And we're going to like the psalmist say, search me, God, know my heart, see if there's anything in me that's wrong or makes you sad, or that's leading me the wrong way. And then lead me on the path of eternal life. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do this examination and then we're right back. We're here with God because God is our Abba father who loves us dearly. Yeah. Wants to wants to help us as we process this pain. It's not just supposed to be something we stick to on our own. Yeah. And that's so good. Well, great conversation. I want to take a quick, quick, fast break here. But uh, when we come back, we'll continue this uh, conversation uh, with Johnny and Jenny and uh, on why we examine our past. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey, folks. We now have online recovery meetings. Maybe you didn't know that, but you can go to CelebrateRecovery.com to find information, a link, uh, a way to join us every Wednesday at noon Pacific. Now, the goal is to have more of these groups. And uh, right now, this is just a starting point uh, to keep the group safe. 
but we want you to join us. Go to CelebrateRecovery.com and join us for this online open share group. Uh, Give yourself another meeting. Uh, Join us online. CelebrateRecovery.com for more information. Welcome back. Talking with Johnny and Jenny Baker, uh, the co-executive global directors of Celebrate Recovery. And and Johnny, right before break, uh, we were talking about just that. I love that return to the Lord. We're trying to um, we're trying to return to the Lord. And it just made me think that we're trying to address any and all things that may be creating separation. Maybe it's a hurt we did, but a hurt done to us. Regardless, unresolved hurt. Uh, creates separation, and that's that's the deceiving deception that the enemy throws at us to keep us stuck and away from him. But but thinking about thinking about just the order of that, and I wanted to poke at that a little bit more. It's fascinating, Johnny. This is the first time I've heard you. I've known you many years. I've never heard you describe how you did your inventory, and I think that's fascinating because. I kind of took that approach, Jenny, that you're mentioning. And what hit me a few years ago is just thinking about those first two columns. The first two columns kind of address the hurts. The next two columns address the hangups. And the last mm-hmm. column is the habits and the relationship side, right? So it's just fascinating how that kind of flows through. We don't start with, you know, everything that we've done wrong. I love we're kind of addressing because hurt people hurt people. And I think it I think it speaks to uh, why this is not about blaming or accusing anybody. It's sometimes we can confuse honesty with dishonoring. If I'm honest mm-hmm. about what you did and how that hurt me, then I'm dishonoring you. But Celebrate Recovery helps us to hold both those spaces. One of the most honoring things we can do is be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I hear that. I hear that a lot. I, I, I get a lot of people who say, um, but I had a perfect childhood or I don't want to put my parents on my inventory or I don't want to put this person who who raised me or cared for me or poured into me, um, into my, um, on my inventory because it feels dishonoring. Mm. And, uh, and I, and I think, and I hear that and I understand that. Um, but I always like to remind them that there's only one perfect person who ever lived and walked a perfect life. (laughs) And that's Jesus. And there's a sobering reality there that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but there's also freedom in that and that we're not, we're not going to be perfect. So that means there's no perfect parent. So none of us, none of us grew up in a perfect home no. with perfect parents. And so I think that there is, there can be a thought about hurts is that they're always intentional hurts, but there are lots of unintentional hurts as well. Mm. Um, as parents, like you mentioned this earlier, we've heard our kids it wasn't intentional. We didn't intentionally hurt our kids, our kids, but we have unintentionally hurt our kids. Sure. And so I think, I think it's just I, you know, I try to release them that of that if they if they are just honest, like you're saying, Rodney, about about how they were hurt. It's not that they're dishonoring their parents or or whoever it is that hurt them. It's just they're being honest about the reality of the situation. And I think there's a really beautiful compassion that can come in for that other person um, that hurt you when you realize, oh, they had some deep hurt in their life as well. Yeah. I think that's what's so beautiful about it is if you can, for myself, I want the freedom to be able to say there were things that shaped me 
And so I, I respond poorly sometimes, right? Well, the, I need to give that to the people who hurt me as well, right? That, that they had been hurt and that those things shaped them. Well, those people had been hurt. And it actually helps us see that we're kind of on this level playing ground where there isn't somebody who has it all together and, you know, then, then you came along, right? It, it, you know, it's that I want compassion when I hurt people. And that makes me necessarily have to be compassionate or it makes me want to be Hmm. compassionate to people who have hurt me. I think we can do people a disservice when we say things like, oh, but your parents did the best they could, especially in an abusive situation. So as somebody who listening to a fourth step and a fifth step or somebody who's talking about it, that that's something that every just once in a while, I feel like because I'm trying to do the best I can, I want I want to be able to say, well, everybody is doing the best they can. And I think it's really important when we're hearing somebody just to let them have an unfiltered, this is what happened to me, and not try to um try to fix it. One of my favorite parts of recovery is that we're not here to fix each other. Mm. But that's just something I hear from time to time. And it's like I, I hear that, but they're I just I want to let somebody just feel how they're feeling. It's kind of the opposite end of this, right? When somebody is so afraid to t- to be dishonoring or to say something, which I totally understand. And and again, when it goes back to my kids, I'd had a conversation with one of our kids and and I said, you know, there are things that I have done unintentionally that have hurt you and they're going to shape the way you see yourself. And this mm. this kid, I'm not going to say which one it was because I didn't ask if I could. This kid said, I, I don't think that's true. And I said, okay, so you're you've never felt like I'm too tired to talk to you about something when I got home from work. Well, no. Okay. You've never felt like one of your siblings was acting one way. And then by the time it got to you, I didn't have time Mm. for your acting out. Oh no. So, so these things tell you things about yourself. If left unchecked, you could think I'm a burden because when I, when I needed my dad, he felt, I felt like he was burdened. So Mm. that message can become, I am a burden. Right. I'm not intentionally saying to this child, you're burdening me, Hmm. but my behavior can show that. Hmm. And so I, and, and so if my child were to go to a program like this and write down, sometimes I felt like I was a burden to my dad by his behavior, that would hurt if I saw it, but I would also be really happy that my child is finding that healing. And so, and, and has the, has the strength to write it down. And so I think so much of the time it's like, listen, you don't have to do anything with this. If it's a coach, if it's a parent, if it's a brother or a sister, you don't have to go to them and say, this is how you hurt me. Hmm. There might be some victory in that. There might be some healing in that, but there might, it might not be. It might be best for you just to deal with it with your sponsor, your accountability partners, a therapist or something like that, and then figure out how you move forward. But leaving it off is the part that can cause so much pain because then what that tells us is I didn't, I just, I am a burden. Mm. I am a whatever for my, if we use my kid, if they don't, if they never felt like they could write that down, that sometimes I made them feel like a burden. Yeah. Then the message is I am a burden. And instead of being able to see it in black and white and go, that's not true. And give me the opportunity as their daddy who loves them so much to say, I'm sorry when I make you feel like a burden. Yeah. And that's not the message I want to give to you. And so how do I how do I move forward in a way that when I'm tired, I'm still loving and all those things. And I'm rambling like crazy no, here, but there's good. just so much here to unpack. And I just I want to give people the ability to to realize that person you're worrying about dishonoring 
never has to know you've written that down. Mm-hmm. You never, you don't have to go public with it. And, and, you know, your sponsor needs to know about it, you know, because in the next step we're going to, we're going to tell somebody else, but it isn't that you've got to go on a podcast or, you know, even in your <laughs> testimony and say it out loud to a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, I was just going to wanted to say in there real quickly, I think that um, that can be a deterrent to looking into your past when it comes to your fourth step mm-hmm. is I don't want to blame anybody. I think another deterrent can be um, kind of, and I don't know the way to say it, embarrassment mm-hmm. that um, there's pain there. Or um, So for example, um, I put down... Uh, I was in my mid thirties when I got into recovery and I did my very first four step and on it, um, I realized that I was still very much affected by my parents' divorce that happened when I was six or seven years old. And so I will say that I was very embarrassed by the fact that as a 35 year old woman, I was still very much affected, very deeply affected by this hurt that happened when I was six or seven years old. And, um, and I, I was sharing last year at the summit about this idea of how you need to go back to move forward. You have to look back to your past to find the healing so you can move forward in your, in your recovery journey. I spoke on that last year at the summit and I mentioned about how one of our daughters, um, had it had an issue with one of her teachers and that that created a that started a belief system in herself that she was dumb and that she was never going to do well in school and she carried that belief system on um with her through school until we were able to talk about it and a gentleman came up to me at the end and afterwards and he said that he had never been willing to admit that he was carrying around a deep pain from a teacher in his childhood because he felt silly about it. Mm -hmm. So I think there can be this, we shame ourselves into believing that we shouldn't feel pain over something that happened when we were younger. Um, Because I think that those are very real pains and very wounds. And, uh, but I think there can be a shame that we put on ourselves about still feeling that Mm -hmm. pain. That's good. Well, and I think, you know, a couple things, you know, just, uh, you know, highlight a couple things. I think that, you know, even if I didn't intend to hurt you, I mean, I, the imagery is real simplistic, but if I accidentally run a stop sign, I didn't mean to, but in the course of running the stop sign, I hit you and damaged your car. I still, I still hit you. Even if I didn't mean to, like, I didn't mean to do that, but it still happened. And so I think as Christians, a lot of times it's, it's interesting you could see non-believers uh, having an issue with this, but but as believers, why are we ever surprised when sinners sin? <laughs> right? I mean, sinners sin, and as believers, we should know that better than anyone. And so it's not to shame. It's just to be honest. It's like, hey, I live among sinners, and, and I'm a sinner, by the way, and I'm, I'm going to hurt you guys, and, and, and you're going to hurt me. And, and just that owning that and saying, hey, that's just, and isn't it bigger in our head too? Sometimes just saying, uh, when you were talking about one of your kids, you know, just that saying, I'm, I can't remember what the word was, but that, um, I'm a burden. Maybe I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a burden, but just getting it out of my head, it's, it's usually a lot bigger up here than it is when we get it out and we go, Oh, that wasn't as big as I thought it was. So just saying it out loud can be a diffuser. Can it just to kind of get it uh, from, keep it from being big. 
Yeah. And we have to remember, you said this earlier, we've got an enemy who doesn't want us to find this healing. Yeah. You know, we've got an enemy who, you know, Jesus said was a liar and his native language was lying, you know, and, and the enemy are the, the devil. He hates, he hates this and he will do anything he can to get this to not happen. And so if he can plant into your mind and he can, you know, he can, he attacks us through our thoughts. If he can plant in your mind, you're a disloyal kid for, for doing this. I can't believe you're going to do this. Well, that might stop you. Yeah. If you, if he can put in your mind, well, you're just a bad person. So of course you acted that way because you're a bad person and you deserve everything you've got. Well, that will stop you. Um, you know, another another uh, name that Jesus calls the the enemy is the um, the adversary or the um, now I've, I've lost it, but um, <laughs> that he the, he the accuser the yeah. accuser yeah. that he's going to accuse us of things and he's gonna he's gonna say things that sound so true yeah and a lot of times he's gonna say things that sound like the pain yep. of your past yeah and it's gonna feel like well no you do deserve that because you are a burden yep. and so you know and so this idea that you're gonna address it and talk about it and i love what you said like why are we surprised that sinners sin which by the way we all are yeah right like we all are and yet i hold myself some, sometimes to an impossibly high standard of why well, but i shouldn't sin you know and yeah. it's like when i do why am i surprised that i did even you know it's yeah. not even about other people but but about myself and so i think there's just so much freedom that happens when you can begin to explore this and and something i tell people a lot too is especially if you're on your first four step if you're going to be in recovery for a long time you're probably going to do another one mm. And so your first four step doesn't have to be perfect, yeah. right? It doesn't have to be, I got everybody listed, all of the pain done to me, everything that happened. It may take a few times to, to work through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Well, guys, we're out of time, but good stuff. We'll definitely do a series on this and, and uh, get you guys back on soon to, to do some continued conversation because there's so many different angles we can go with this, but mm -hmm. thank you guys for your insight, your wisdom, love your hearts and, and I know our listeners were blessed by you. Sure love you guys. We love you too, Rodney. Thanks, Rodney. You yeah. bet. Well, hopefully, uh, as you're listening, uh, you found some benefit in what we discussed today. And, and um, hey, you don't have to. Whatever that is, you know, Johnny talked about that accuser. Sometimes that accuser will try to convince us that maybe we deserved whatever happened to us. And that can keep us from coming to the table. Bring all your hurt, all your hangups, all your habits and broken relationships to Jesus and don't do it alone. Bring it to the body of Christ and Celebrate Recovery is a great place to do that. If you'd like to join us on this road we call recovery, want to find a group near you, just go to CelebrateRecovery.com forward slash CR groups and find a group near you. Hey, thanks for being with us today. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless.